Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good to see everyone here in the room. I want to welcome all those that are watching online. Happy New Year. Hopefully, hopefully it's been a great new year beginning for you so far. For us, it has been full. We actually just uh, drove back from Dallas yesterday night, got back pretty late. Uh, Elaine uh, spoke at Gateway Church in Dallas-Fort Worth. Then afterwards, we drove back to be here. But I'm happy to be here. I'm excited because I feel like it's my birthday one, 38 years old, just in case you're asking. Uh, I know I look younger than I, than, I am, than I am. At least I get that from time to time. Uh, but I get to celebrate by being here with all of my favorite people in the world. So I'm excited and really honored to be here. I believe it's going to be uh, an incredible day, but also more importantly, it's going to be an incredible year. And for us as a church, one of the things that we've always really uh, started out our year with is a time of prayer and fasting. And fasting looks many different ways to many different people. Some people do no meat, uh, no meat, no sweets. Um, they do a Daniel fast, they'll do uh, soul fast, get off social media for a little bit. And the heart behind it is really to remove any distractions that may keep us from really pressing into the presence of God and really hearing from him and allowing him to really chart our course for the year. He's the one who knows what's ahead even when we don't. But I feel like during this time that God can speak to every single one of us in my prayer. And my hope is that he does. And you can follow along with us, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. We'll be posting videos daily for the next 21 days to really kickstart. But don't feel bad if you feel like, okay, I got off one day. Just get right back on. There's no judgment, no condemnation. We believe that God has something special for every single one of us as we go without some things so we never have to go without someone. And I'm excited today as we dive into a, a brand new series that I'll be sharing for the next four weeks uh, called In This House. And as I was pray, praying for this year, especially, and if you watched uh, the Christmas video just past week, um, as we were online only, I shared that I felt like God had put in my heart that this year was to be a year of courage. Uh, and courage doesn't mean that there's not any fear. It just simply means that you move forward despite what it may look like. Despite fear, you still move forward. You trust God. Uh, you have the conversations you need to have. But I believe that on the other side of courage can be a healed marriage. On the other side of courage is us walking out our purpose and walking out the plans that God has for our lives. And I believe that during this time, is, there's so many things going to be happening in the life of a church. There's also something that God wants to do individually in our own lives. Now, as we go into the series in this house, if I were to go to your house, whether they are written or unwritten, your family would have a set of values, a set of principles, and a set of guidelines that y'all abide by that if someone doesn't abide by them, it kind of throws a little bit off. It's like, okay, this person may be a little bit rude or whatever, but we all have that about our house, whether good or bad. So we all have that, and I want to really go through what is it like to be a part of the house of God? Does he have values? Does he have principles? Does he have different things that he wants us to walk out in our lives as being his house? And I want to say this involves us corporately as we gather together, 
but what involves us corporately also speaks to us personally. So this isn't just a, hey, in this house, like Gateway Church. It's really in this house as a body, but also individually. And 1 Corinthians 12, 27 really speaks to that. It says, all of you together are Christ's body. This is why we gather together. And it's important for the assembling of the saints coming together. And each of you is a part of it. So we are the body of Christ individually. We're a part of it. But when we come together, there's a full expression of who God is and what he wants to do as we walk out and carry the mission of the church and the gospel to the world. And as we begin this series, I'm going to start on a topic that I believe is very important for us to catch, especially as we head into, as we're in 2022. And here's the the title of today's message. It's called The Pursuit of Intimacy. The Pursuit of Intimacy. Now, why would I start with this topic out of all topics? Here's what I believe as a church, if if this is your first time with us or you may have never heard this before, as our our heart and our purpose is we exist to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. And here's why. Because we believe that's the key to life, that we would know God and that we would ultimately be known by God. And both of those are important. And there is no substitute for that in the Christian life. And even in our lives and our daily interactions with other people, and I want to say this, that it, if we aren't able to have an intimate relationship with a perfect God, it will be a struggle to have an intimate relationship with imperfect people. So as we start this year, we really want to begin with saying, what does it look like to have an intimate relationship with God? And I have only two points today. The first point is going to be really long, so stay with me though. So the first point is this, intimacy begins and ends with his presence. Intimacy begins and ends with his presence. When Elaine and I were in the very beginning of our dating phase, uh, she, I lived, we both lived in Dallas, but then she actually went off to school uh, for one semester in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So she went off to school, and at this time, I know I'm 38, I'm about to date myself a little bit. I would have loved for there to have been FaceTime. FaceTime wasn't around then, so what you actually had to do was talk to a person you couldn't actually see their face. So we would talk on the phone and it was great. We had great conversations and I know long distance, if you've ever been in a long distance relationship, there's many great things about it because you learn how to communicate and you you grow in that area of your life. So I was grateful for that. But one of the things that I love that she did it on a continuous basis, it was really only one semester before she came back down to Dallas and we ended up getting married, but she came and drove down on a consistent basis. She'd make the trip uh, back to Dallas and it was great because it was much better to communicate with her in her presence. And I desired to be around her. I desired to be with her, even though I loved the fact that we were truly able to simply communicate, there was something special about being in her presence. And in the same way, when we think about the church, the church is not the church without the presence of God. The church isn't about activity. It's not about all the things that we do. Because the truth is, if we focus on simply activity, we can miss intimacy. But if we focus on intimacy, we'll be able to carry out the plan that God has for our lives. So the church is a place where God's presence is here. And you may say to me, well, Ethan, what does it mean by the presence of God? Is it kind of like those goosebumps that you get whenever the God's presence? That's probably just the music, guys. But... Here's what the presence of God is, and there's really three distinctions that I want to go through 
real quick. And the first distinction is the omnipresence of God. Many of you may have heard that before. Omni meaning all and present meaning present. So he is everywhere present at all times. There's nowhere you can go where God is not. He is always there. He is always with you. So there's the omnipresence of God. The second one is the indwelling presence of God. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. So he's dwelling on the inside of you. He's always with you no matter where you go. But there's a third one that I actually want to focus on today. The third distinction is the manifest presence of God. It's when God supernaturally shows up and you encounter him in your life, it's changed. That can happen in worship. That can happen when reading the word. That can happen in prayer. That can happen when you just have that thought that God speaks to you. You hear his voice and you step out in faith, in obedience to him. And when God shows up and you become, here's the key, aware of it. Because God is everywhere once again. But when he manifests and shows himself, you become aware that he is there and you encounter him. And in Exodus 33, Moses really writes about this as a familiar passage, but he says this. Then Moses said, talking to God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. That's an important part. Many of us know God's name, but I want you to know he desires to know your name. He desires to know who you are. He desires to be in relationship with you. But here's what Moses understood and what we need to grasp today is that he actually wasn't under the assumption that God wasn't going with him. He was under the assumption that if you called me to do this, if you call me to be the deliverer of your people and to get them into the promise that you have for them, you're clearly coming. Because if you don't come, I'm not going anywhere. Because the only thing that separates us and everyone else is that the presence of God is with us. He was aware that the promise would be nothing without his presence. So many times we can go after the promises of God and forget that the God of the promise, that it's important for him to be with us every single step of the way. Because without God, there is no us, so his presence must be our priority. But I love it because it's not one-sided. When I say the title is The Pursuit of Intimacy, the pursuit actually doesn't begin with us. It began with God. He's already done his part. He's fulfilled what he's going to do. And here's what I love about God and something that we all need to catch, especially as we begin this year in this room online, is that God wants to be with us. He wants to meet with you. He wants to have an encounter with you and be in relationship with you. And here's why. It's because you're God's favorite. Now, I know if you're growing up in a family with multiple siblings, uh, the parents typically favored one of the kids. Right? No? No one here? Okay, great. And you all as kids knew kind of who was the favorite. And if you're doubting if you're the favorite, I just want to let you know, I'm sorry to break it to you as we step in the new year, you probably weren't the favorite. Because the favorite child knew they were the favorite child. It's kind of a running joke in Elaine's family. We all know who the favorite child is, and I'm not going to mention it, but I do know that I am the favorite son-in-law, so it works for me. <laughs> she has two brothers, no, no sisters, so that's why, for those that don't know. So I know that I'm the favorite in that regard. 
But here's what Acts 10 verse 34 says. It says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Here's the context of this verse. The context of this verse is that Peter sees that the Holy Spirit and God is reaching out to the Gentiles, that it wasn't just reserved for the children of Israel, but that God's Spirit at any time would fall upon anyone because he wanted the relationship with every single one of us. And it was key and it was pivotal and that changed really Peter's mind, uh, mind frame, frame of mind and it really changed how he continued to walk it out because he struggled. He's like, God is just for us. He's not for everybody, but Jesus came so that he could be for everyone and everyone could experience his presence. Because while God doesn't show favoritism, he does respond to pursuit by faith. And he will always do that. But this was his heart from the very beginning. Remember, intimacy begins and ends with his presence all the way back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And Eden means pleasure and delight in the Hebrew. But in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, they'd eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told them not to, and they hadn't yet eaten of the tree of life. Here's God's response whenever he goes walking in the garden to meet with them again as he always had done. It said, when the cool evening breeze, breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to man, a very important question that we should also hear today, where are you? Where are you? During the Christmas uh, time, we kind of did our shopping a little bit later, which means everyone was there. And it was all of us that went. We were buying uh, gifts for cousins and, uh, and other people. So we were going there. And because there were so many people at Target, um, I actually dropped all of them off. So Lane took all four of the kids and went inside. And then I went and parked basically in the back because all the other parking spaces were filled. But afterwards, I go in there and I made it a mission to try to find them. And I know I could have just called her and said, hey, where are you? But I wanted to try to do it myself and figure it out. And I wish I had just called because I ended up walking Target for two separate times all the way around before I saw uh, my son's hair. He has a lot of hair. I saw his hair, but even before that, because uh, my crew rolls pretty deep, I heard them (laughs) because there's a lot of noise that happens and there's a lot of grabbing of toys and stop and other things like that that sometimes happens when we go shopping and they wanted to pick out every gift for every single person but we told them no, but I found them. But here's, I heard them the closer that I got to them. They, it says that they heard God walking in the garden. Think about that. Think about the proximity they had. Think about how close God had to be for them to hear him walking. And the question he had is, I'm pursuing you. Do you want to meet with me? Because Adam was for the the first time hiding because he was naked and he was exposed. But I want to say something today, and it's something that we all have to hold close to our hearts. Even though because of Adam's sin, the relationship changed, God's desire never changed. Even though Adam and Eve sinned, it did not stop God's pursuit. And even when we make a mistake and whenever we fall short, it does not stop God from coming after us. He still wanted to be close to them, but he knew this, that intimacy can't happen when you hide. It has to come into the light. If we want fellowship with God, it's going to happen in the light. It's not going to happen in the areas that we hide, the areas that we won't bring to him, and the areas that we won't confess. Because if you won't expose something, you can't be healed by God. These two things have to come together. But then you may ask the question, well, if God wanted to pursue them, then why did 
he kicked him out of his presence. And the truth is, he didn't kick him out of his presence. He actually kicked him out of the Garden of Eden. But here's the reason why. They had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What he did not want them to do next was to eat of the tree of life. And here's why. Because if they ate from the tree of life, they would stay forever in that state of their relationship where sin had created separation. So he said, I'll do whatever I can because I can't bear the thought of not being in close relationship again for shame and guilt to keep us from coming close together. I can't stand the thought of that, so I have to remove you from the Garden of Eden. This is what it says in Genesis 3, verse 22. It says, then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat? They will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. But here's also how you know that God didn't take his presence from them fully because in Genesis chapter 4, Cain knows uh, God's voice. Cain speaks with God, God talks with him. And Cain knew it, and they were able to move forward from there, so God did not remove his presence at any time. The point I'm trying to make today, and you'll hear me say it several times, is that God wants to be with you. He always has, and he always will. But after that, God had, a, had to come up with a plan. He actually already had the plan, but the plan was set in motion. And there's three progressions of this plan, of God wanting his presence to be with us. And I'm going to give him up front. He wanted his presence first to be among us. Then his presence was with us. Then his presence was in us. So first among, like in a tabernacle, whenever Moses was given a pattern of what to build, the tabernacle was first. And I love, if you read, if you read certain passages of scripture, the tabernacle is actually called the tent of meeting. Anyone ever heard that phrase? It's the tent of meeting. It's the place where God wanted to meet with them. And I really feel like it's appropriate to be called that because that's what God wants. Every single day he wants to meet with us. But then after that, when it was portable, David said, I wanna make a permanent home for God. God doesn't have a permanent home. I have a permanent home. I'd love to make a permanent home for him. And God said, okay, David, that's great. That's noble, but you're not gonna be the one to do it. Your son is actually gonna do it. So King Solomon builds a, a glorious temple for God as a permanent home for him to dwell. But here was the problem, is that only one time a year could one person enter into the presence of God. Everyone else depended on the high priest to go and sacrifice to the Ark of the Covenant, the holy place, the most holy place, where God's presence was, where the Ark of the Covenant was, so that they could be in relationship with him. That's how it was done. One person, once a year, into the presence of God. That was the access they had when God was living among them. It's important for us to realize that we don't have today to have a relationship with God through someone else. So many times we depend on the pastor. Hey, pastor, will you hear God for me? And I tell people, I won't hear God for you, but I will hear God with you. Because you can have a relationship with God. And if you start this year with this mindset, if you've never had one before, you can have one with him today. But even if you've been walking with him for 20, 30 years, there's a deeper level that you can go in your relationship with him. It's important for us. So he goes from just being among us, then we celebrated this Christmas season, God with us. The incarnation where God took on flesh, where he says, I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to be among them. And here's why it's key, especially for intimacy, because it's hard to be intimate with someone that you don't feel like understands you. 
It's hard to be intimate with someone that you don't feel like understands your weaknesses. See, Jesus was our high priest, but he understood what we went through. He walked on this earth. He experienced sorrow. He experienced grief. He cried. So many times we forget the humanity of Jesus, but he was like us, yet he was still God. Hebrews 4 points this out, verse 14. Starting there, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Here's why we can come boldly, by the way, because Jesus accompanies us. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So Jesus gives us continuous access to God. Every single day, every single moment, we have the opportunity to come to God. So the question I have for us is, why would we not meet with God every single day? Why go a day when we have the opportunity to connect with the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who made us, the one who has a desire to know us, why would we not every single day press in? Why would we not pursue intimacy with him? whenever we now have access that they didn't even have beforehand. But because of that, God decided to take it to the next level and he became God in us. And we sang about it today, but 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So I want to talk about for a second, how do we gauge where we are in our relationship with God? There's many different gauges, but I want to focus on one. The one of the healthiest ways to gauge where you are in your relationship with God is how you handle not having his manifest presence in your life. How do you handle not having his manifest presence? I want you to think about this for a second. Obviously, I've talked about my wife and kids. I have a wife and four kids. Let's say Sunday, I see, I see them, hang out with them, it's a great day. I'm in their presence and, and we have great family time and it's incredible. But I go to work on Monday, when I leave for work on Monday, I come back home Monday night and no one's there. My wife, Elaine's gone, the kids are gone, so I'm like, okay, that's weird. Tuesday, I come back again, I leave the house, come back again and they're still gone. Don't call, don't check, don't communicate. Wednesday it happens. Thursday, it happens. Again, they're not at my house. I don't see them. Their presence isn't there with me. Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday again is when I finally see them. I'm sure you could get ahead of me and see where I'm going with this. You would say, Ethan, you are a really bad husband and bad father if you show no concern when your family is gone and you don't have their presence around you, right? that they're not with you, that even if they have leave, there was no communication, there was no connection at all, except from Sunday to Sunday. In the same way, in our relationship with God, why are we content to settle for getting in his presence simply one day a week? And if we're honest, some of us, maybe once a month or once a year, I'm not, here's, here's the thing, I'm actually not trying to condemn you, I'm trying to say to you, that as a pastor, I would be concerned if you told me, yeah, I never prayed, I never read my Bible, I never worship God. 
there would be concern in the same way because you're content with not having his presence in your life. And if you're not encountering him, then you aren't going to be able to grow spiritually. And then this year, it's important that we have a spiritual grounding because if you look around the world, it can be chaos. It can seem hopeless. And it's very easy to fall into fear rather than living the life that God wants you to live, which is a life of faith. So we have to come to this place. In, in 1 Samuel, there's a story of a priest named Eli. And the Ark of the Covenant at that time was the, what, is what represented the presence of God. So they t- sometimes would take it into battle. But I want you to see Eli's response when he realized the Ark of the Covenant is gone. 1 Samuel 4, verse 17 He said, Israel has been defeated by the Philistines, the messenger replied. The people have been slaughtered. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's two sons, were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backwards from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died. Now, he had a daughter-in-law who was pregnant. And she gave birth at this time. She ended up passing away in birth. But this is what she said beforehand in verse 21. She named the child Ichabod, which means where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Eli actually didn't respond this way because of his sons dying. When he realized God's manifest presence was gone, he basically fainted. And it ended up costing him his life. But even the daughter said, Ichabod, God's glory is gone. But here's why the ark was taken. The, ark, the glory of God didn't depart because the ark was taken. The ark was taken because the glory of God had already departed. Because of their sin and because they weren't following God, because they weren't getting into his presence and they didn't consider it precious, God's presence wasn't there for them to win their battles, which they normally would win whenever they would fight. But like I said, it's from... Beginning to end, if you go to Revelation 21, verse 3, it says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. That's a narrative from beginning to end if you were to open up the scriptures, that God wants to be with his people. As a matter of fact, I would say if you read this passage, he would go to any lengths to do it and here's why because he's obsessed with being in the presence of his people. And I would assume that it would only make sense if God is obsessed with being with us and we should be as a church obsessed with being with him. We should do everything we can on a consistent basis to be in his presence because that is what will separate us from any other people. When people have a reason to fear, we can still have a reason to walk in courage. When people seem hopeless, we can still have a hope. When people are downtrodden and they're not happy, we can still experience the joy of his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. Your life will drastically and dramatically change if we get in the presence of God because he can give you what you need to sustain you through every season that you may go through. But it's important that we press in and pursue his presence. That's the first point. The second point is this. The foundation of intimacy is love. The foundation of intimacy is love. And here's why. Because God is love. Many people fear intimacy because the fear of rejection is our greatest fear. That's why love is our greatest need. Love is our greatest need because we all fear rejection, but you can't create intimacy where fear exists. It's impossible. 
And here's why, because intimacy follows trust. We have to come to a place where we're honest with God. Because intimacy says, intimacy says there's no pretense, there's no protections, I'm not gonna guard myself, I'm gonna come as I am and I'm gonna be open with who you've called for me to be and I'm gonna talk with you with openness and transparency. There's gonna be a vulnerability between us. This is why the, when marriages have intimacy, that's what's there. They, they know each other. They're known by each other. It's important for there to be honesty. But I'm gonna let you in on a little secret right now. It's not about perfection. And I know this is crazy to think, but God knows you're human. He knows that you have flaws. He knows that you have weaknesses. Yet he still wants to be with you. And it's not perfect people that have intimacy with God. It's humble people. The more humble we are, the more we're able to come to him and receive the mercy that we don't deserve. We're able to receive the free gift of grace that makes us whole, that continues to lead us in the path that he wants us to walk in. So it's important for us that we get to that place. Because if we are dishonest, you are training yourself to be comfortable with deception. If we live a dishonest life with God, remember the way that we live with God will be the way that we live with others. But if we can't be ourselves with God, who can you be yourself with? And you can spend your whole life not getting the healing, not getting the freedom that you need. Because the freedom that you need doesn't come on the other side of focusing on your sin. The freedom that you need comes on the other side of focusing on the God who saves you from your sin. The one that makes you whole, the one that can bring healing, the one that can bring peace, and the one that can bring life. It's not just about becoming gooder. And yes, I know that's not a word. It's about becoming alive. And we need God in order for that to happen, but the foundation is his love. 1 John 4.18 says this, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows, look at this, that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Here's what you need to realize today. As we head into 2022, that God can never love you any more than he does and he can never love you any less because his love is not based on emotional love. That's what high school love is based off of. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And you hope that you land on he loves me. But that leads to insecurity of all kinds because that's the world's type of love. But if we live with that type of love, we can always be insecure in trying to please God or live with the mindset that we're displeasing to God. And that's not how God feels about us in any way, shape, or form. Because his love is unconditional. His promises are what are conditional. And when we confuse the two is when we begin to try to work for salvation instead of working out our salvation. So we have to come to that place where we understand his love and as that is revealed to us, then fear will go down. As a matter of fact, I'll say it this way, if you have a lot of fear, it's because you don't understand the fullness of God's love. Because once you have God's love, you realize that there's nothing to fear because he's with you every single step of the way. And Moses realized this as he asked several times, he asked like, hey God, who, what's your name? The first time God sent Moses, he said, I am that I am. Tell the people that's who sent you. The second time when Moses asked, show me your glory, show me what you're famous for, God. Show me what you're known for. That's what I want to know about. 
Here he gives them another name, and it's Exodus 34, verse 5 through 7. He says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger, which means I have a long fuse, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Is that your view of who God, who God is? Or is God angry to you? Because this passage says, I'm actually the God of compassion. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of unfailing love. I'm actually slow to anger. This passage is mentioned five other times, I believe, in the Old Testament. One of them is actually with Jonah. I don't know if you remember Jonah chapter four. You can look it up after a service. But Jonah was sent to go to Nineveh to, to say repent, otherwise, so that you can be saved. And Jonah doesn't want to go. He actually goes the other way. That's because Israel and the Ninevites were at odds with each other. They didn't like each other. So he's like, I'm not going to go. And here's what he says. He actually says this verse. And he said, I knew this. I knew this about you. I knew that you were compassionate. I knew that you were kind. I knew that you were merciful. I knew that you were forgiving. And I knew that you, were, and you had unfailing love. That's the reason I didn't want to go. Because I didn't want them to change their minds and come actually to you and have a relationship with you. And I want to ask you today, do you know that? Do you know that God is a God of love? Because the truth is, Christians many times don't even live like it. They live like they have to continue doing and that activity is what's going to please him instead of the fact that you're simply his son or his daughter and that God is already pleased with you. As a matter of fact, you can't even come to him without his kindness because his anger is actually not what leads you to repentance. It's his kindness that does. And I'm going to show you a passage to back it up just in case you're arguing with me in your head. <laughs> Romans 2.4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The reason why you can repent, change your mind, met metanoia is the word in the Greek, is because God's kindness. That is what makes it a possibility for us to be in relationship with him. But because he's love, we don't have to worry about being rejected. He simply says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So you're as close to God today as you want to be because if you pursue, he, he will come full force right back at you and meet you where you are. But here's what I realized in my relationship with Elaine, but also it applies to my relationship with God. And the way that God laid it out, even in the scriptures, is that the more intimate you are with him and the more intimate you are with someone, the less rules are necessary for the relationship. When you were first married, at least when I was first married, there were kind of rules. We were trying to figure out how to live together, and there are so many different things. We've been together 11 years now, and I know her more than I used to know her. So I know what makes her mad, know what upsets her. I know what makes her happy. I know what makes her sad. I could go down the list because I know her. In the same way, here's the way God, Jesus showed up. When they asked him, hey, sum it all up. There are 10 commandments, and there's 600 plus on top of that in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, let me sum this up for you. Let me make it simple to be in relationship. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what he says. If you want to sum up all the law and all the prophets, there it is right there. That's a lot simpler than remembering 630 plus commands. Right? When there's intimacy, that wall begins to come down and we can get closer to him. Because God just didn't believe that we're a set of outputs. We are made in his image and we won't be satisfied until we connect to the image bearer and walk that out. I remember when my kids uh, were younger, uh, we put them in swim lessons and the swim teacher uh, was a little bit intense. I'll just leave it at that. He was intense, he was former military and he didn't train people, he was out in the sun all day. And he would come to our house and one thing that he would not let happen is he would not while he was taking the kids through the lessons, let the parents be out there. You couldn't be out there, you could watch from a room so nothing crazy was happening, don't think that. But he would not let you be out there because he was gonna have to be clear with the kids. But here's what I noticed about all my kids is that they were comfortable playing on the shallow. They were happy. They're like, oh, we're going to do swim lessons. This is going to be great. And then it came time for them to step off of what they had known even into the shallow water. And they would cry. They began to pout. They began to scream. And I would just see their face. And I was just like, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. But he would take every single one of them. He would take him crying, and he'd be like, okay, we're going to go under. And, and three, two, one, he'd be like, three, two. And then they'd come up still crying. This is the way it started out. Started out in the shallow, and then what he would do is, hey, we're going to go out into the deep now. But I want you to notice one thing, is that whenever they went into the deep, the swim instructor was with them the entire time. He did not just let them go to try to figure it out on their own. Even in the midst of the fear, even in the midst of everything that was going on around them that would keep them from going out into the deep. He guided them, he led them the entire time to where by the end of it, they were like, mommy, daddy, come and look at what we learned while swimming. And they were willing to jump off, they were willing to do all these different things. But at first, they weren't willing to. But I want to say to us, as we begin this year, as a church, both corporately and personally, that God's calling you out of the shallow end into the deep end in his presence, into the deep end with relationship with him. It's no longer just status quo. It's no longer just what we're comfortable with. It's going to be a year of courage, but I want to tell you every single step of the way when you're in the deep, he's going to be with you. He's going to lead you, he's going to guide you, and you're gonna experience his love in its fullness, and any fear that you may have will melt away and evaporate. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. As we begin this year, we're gonna end this service the way that we normally do. We're gonna go into a time of worship and prayer. We're gonna go into one more song And in a moment here, the prayer team is going to come down front. We would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come down and receive prayer. But this is a moment where we ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Some of you, you may feel like you have to work to please God instead of being 
solidify that God wants and is interested in being with you and knowing you. Solidify that in your heart today. Don't leave today thinking that God doesn't want to be with you. Some of you may be in that place, you're like, I've been in the shallow long enough. And even if you've been with him for many years, there's still a level that he wants to take you to that you may not have known before. Say yes to allowing God to take you to that place. And some of you may be here and you don't even know God. You didn't even know what's possible that you could have an intimate relationship with him, that you could experience his manifest presence in your life. Say yes to him today. Don't begin this year without saying yes, without surrendering your heart, surrendering your will to him and starting that relationship. And in a moment here, people are gonna be down front and we wanna pray for every single person. So Father, right now, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that we can trust you and that we can have an intimate relationship with you. May we never forget that it is your presence that changes our hearts. It's an encounter with you that changes our lives. And I pray right now that we remember every single day that your grace is sufficient, that you are with us, that we do not have to fear and we can walk in boldness and courage in coming to your throne, the throne of grace. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.